Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Callum. And this is 1001 A Film Podacy. This week we are diving into the head-scratching world of Christopher Nolan's 2010 masterpiece Inception. We'll attempt to explore the intricate layers of this absolutely mental thriller, discussing everything from the unforgettable action sequences to its complex themes of reality and perception. We'll also be sharing our top three picks for mind-bending movies, exploring other films that have left us questioning what's real and what's not. So it's top three mind-bending or head-scratching films, basically. Films that make you go, what? Yeah. I like mind-bending movies, I think. I think that rolls off the tongue. But head-scratching yeah. is probably more descriptive, isn't it? My films, they're all a bit different, really, the ones I've picked. How, what was your criteria? Um, my films were ones that either had twists at the end that made you go, oh, hang on, then what's... Or right. what, what I thought the whole time was not actually what was real if you know what i mean yeah uh, one of them I can, i'll explain the example of that one um and for example it's not one of my picks but six cents say like, oh, right, like that, a big twist, he's a ghost the whole time sort of thing sort of like, a, what sort of eradicates everything that you've seen before maybe. yeah yeah okay um, but a couple of my other picks are um ones that i just don't understand and still don't really understand but um i like the film even though I don't get it. That's fine. Yeah, I, mine, mine is similar, really. They're just all, well, they're just bizarre films that just I was like, sort of uh, had my mouth open with spit dribbling uh, down on my chin while watching it with wide sounds eyes. Like you, sounds like you, uh, I was going to say, until you said wide eyed, it sounded like you were asleep. Go on then, you go first. Um, So my first one is, I don't know if you've seen it, Us. I have seen Us, yeah. Um, And that's like Sixth Sense. You, you sort of believe one thing for the whole film and then at the end, it sort of, makes you think oh hang on i have to yeah. rewatch the film again knowing that basically in that film i'm not going to go through the whole thing because i've not seen it for a long time but um a family um start being attacked by their own doppelgangers <laughs> um, yeah horrible and evil but anyway us us is mine because um yeah you watch the whole film and then you get to the end and then you think oh hang on i need to watch it again with that twist at the end in mind and it's a completely different film the next time you watch it yeah i know what you mean there's there's a few films like that isn't there um can't think of any examples but there's six sense that's the the main one i thought of but yeah, there, sense, there, there, yeah. Are, there are loads that i don't don't look now was one the one i mentioned previously where you walk around venice looking for his daughter yeah that's one obviously you know what happens on that because i completely spoiled the whole film <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh but yeah there's loads like that yeah i i, I yeah us you can only watch it. Obviously, this sounds going to sound stupid, but you can only watch it for the first time once, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's can... what makes sense. You can't. Yeah, you, yeah, the second time you watch it, and you know what happens at the end, you can't sort of watch it again with the same head on as you did the first time. Do you know what, Jake? You couldn't have picked a more perfect film to lead into my first film. I'm going to talk about actually. It's not my first rodeo. Go on. It's a film called Enemy um, by a director called Denis Villeneuve. And one of his films, called Arrival, is exactly the same thing. So if you, you watch it once, not knowing what's going to happen, you're like, oh, bloody hell. And then if you watch it again, you, you there's a thing that happens in that film that you're like, oh, God. Um, and mm. that changes the whole film. So so there you go. There's there you go. And the film I've picked, Enemy, is about doppelgangers. So what's, that, what's all that about? Jake Gyllenhaal plays a guy called Adam who um, just finds his exact doppelganger of himself living in the same city. Right. Um, and then basically things just start to unravel. And you'll hate this, Jake, but all the way through it, there's horrible like imagery of spiders. Oof. Like massive spiders walking across the city and stuff, um, which I'm sure would upset you. Yeah. Um, well, thank you. 
<laughs> and the and the film also ends in a really weird and unsettling way, which actually freaked my brother out who was watching with me because he has the same fear of spiders. Do you know what my problem is with spiders, though? Go on. I don't mind. Like, I could probably hold a tarantula and I'd have no issue with that. Yeah. It's just house spiders I don't like. Yeah, do you know what? The little ones, but they got like thin legs and big bodies. Yeah, they yeah, are. It's them I don't like. So I think a it's massive a... spider, although it would be scary, I don't <laughs> think it'd scare me any more than it'd scare you, if you know what I mean. Because it's a massive spider, obviously we're both going to be scared. I think the thing with spiders is they, they look so strange to us. I think they're the most alien-looking thing on Earth, aren't they, really, when you think about it? And, and then, slugs, probably, yeah. Yeah, and it's just the way they move, I think, that really. And, and Enemy, it, it really sort of highlights the way they move around, and it right. makes you feel a bit ill. Um, but yeah, Jacob, my brother, was not happy with, with, <laughs> with my film choice because he hates spiders. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it was funny. A cherished memory between brothers watching that film. Yeah. Well, that's nice. Nice thing to think about, anyway. One scared, one thinking. Mm. Good film. I'm going to add this to my list. Yes. Um, My number two, then, is our namesake film, um, 2001 Space Odyssey. Here we go. Yeah. It's hard to say that without (laughs) accidentally saying 2001 Odyssey, yeah. (laughs) So, I get that film. Well, I think I get that film. Yeah. Um, It's just the monolith showing up all the time. It's meant to be like another step for mankind sort of thing, isn't it? Like any time something, yeah. sort of, I don't know, great happens or uh, revolutionary in mankind, it shows up. Um, a bit like, I, like Forrest Gump. A bit like Forrest Gump, but I get, I get all that. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah he's a monolith. Um, <laughs> I get all that. But then I don't get the end when he's going through space and time and all the colours are going flying at the side of him, and then he's just in a bed um, as an old man, or as an old man in a bed. I don't know if it's him or if it's someone else. And then the monolith again. This isn't even a spoiler, because if you can try and work out, if you if you can, is this, I don't understand. It's, I just don't know. It, that is a mind-bending film. Um, I've seen yeah. it a few times, and every time I don't think I understand it. No, um, I'm the same. I mean, it has like about ten stories in one film as well, doesn't it? It just goes from one thing to the other. It like goes yeah. through spans of the whole of time and space, really, doesn't it? Start I feel like this. I watched that film more for the visual effects and how it, good it looks um, for the time. Um, yeah, they use a lot. Of, we'll, we'll go into it with Inception. I think they use sort of similar um, techniques, effects, and techniques and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, it becomes timeless, doesn't it? If they're not using daft sixties. CGI yeah. or whatever they had back then. Yeah, so I don't watch uh, 2001 Space Odyssey for the story because I don't understand it. Fair enough. Um, it does look good though, doesn't it? It does look good, you, yeah. You might might be just staring blankly, but at least you're, you're looking at something nice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hello, Hal, do you read me? Do you read me, Hal? Affirmative, Dave. I read you. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. To be fair, Jake, I picked three films I knew. I didn't want any crossover, really, so I picked three films that I knew you've definitely not seen. So um, I'm going to talk about films that you have no idea what's going on, really. But this this film's called House, uh, my second film, and it's a bit different from the others. It doesn't really have a big twist ending or anything like that or, like, makes you think intellectually about it. It's just mental it's just really confusing from start to finish so it's it's from 1977 and it's like a horror comedy film and it's japanese um and there's loads of girls that go to one of the girls called gorgeous <laughs> um, <laughs> who visits her aunt's ha- haunted house oh dear and her friend do you want to know her friend's names 
Uh, delightful. Well, similar. Kung Fu, Fantasy, Prof, Mac, Melody and Sweet. <laughs> um, and then basically, when they get to this Sweet. house, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. when they get to this house, just insane things happen. There's, there's a cat painting that like comes to life and attacks them there's someone gets their head chopped off and then that goes around floating around jumping around actually biting people and then there's like this evil watermelon in it i'm not even making this up um and then there's just mental death scenes throughout it's like someone gets eaten by a piano another one gets trapped in a mirror and then also someone's this is the weirdest one. Someone gets turned into a pile of bananas quite close to the beginning of the film, and that's Christ like life. That's like the first moment you're like, "What the hell is going on?" Apparently, the director's daughter, who was six at the time, helped to write the script. So that's why it's so yeah, that mad. Makes a, sense. a bit like um, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, isn't it? Because that's yeah. based on well, when John Lennon's son's when, picture. When you said about the floating head, I it, it, it sort of maybe take me back, took me back to. I wrote a story when I was in school about Uh-oh. a big skull and crossbones um, that went around <laughs> killing people. It was just floating around. It made me think of that floating head you just mentioned then. So I, probably, I was probably about six or seven as well. Well, there, so, you there you go. So ch- children's minds are insane. All right, um, my number one then is a film that I know we've both seen, um, and it's a good film and it's very watchable. Um, and I, I think I do get it, but also I don't think I do at all. Uh, another Jake Gyllenhaal film, Donnie Darko. Oh yes, um, I was going to pick this to be honest, but I'm glad I didn't. Yeah, go ahead. It's 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 one of them. I've seen it plenty of times, um, and. I get most of it. Um, again, I can't really say much without spoiling it. Um, it is the hard end, to the end, I think I think I'm getting to grips with the film. The more I get along with it, I think, right, I understand, I understand, I understand. Get to the last scene, and I'm like, well, I don't know what's going on now. Like when they've got the um, the things that are guiding them around coming out their chest. Do you know, like the... the oh, the, yeah. The, like the, yeah, that's weird. And it's sort of like your life's premeditated sort of thing, if you know what I mean. I don't know. Yeah, there's the like, trying to get at, but no such thing as fate. You've noticed that I struggle to explain my three films, and that's precisely why they're on the list. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> why are you in that stupid place? Why are you wearing that stupid man suit? So, my, yeah, my last film then. Um, so I've we've actually dedicated a whole podcast to one of this man's films before. Can you guess who I'm going to talk about now? I'd say the odds are on Steven Spielberg because we've done more of his films, but he doesn't really do any mind bending ones. Think about it, Jay. Which film made you go? Oh, Full on Drive, David Lynch. Yes, of course yes. it is. <laughs> yeah, I, I could have put that as my number one. To, yeah, to be honest, but I'd say this film called Inland Empire is even more insane than Mulholland Drive, and it's three hours long. Um, You're and not it's selling a- it. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, much like Mulholland Drive, it, it's it's about like identity and duality and all that, and and it's and it's about an actress again, actually. So it's quite similar to um, Mulholland Drive, but it's Laura Dern this time. I think I looked up a little bit about this film when I was researching Mulholland Drive. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's all filmed on like a digital 
handheld camera by David Lynch. So it's like it looks like some like a home video basically the whole way through. Um, and it just it's just very confusing. There's some the weirdest parts of the film include a whole segment dedicated to like a rabbit humanoid family in like a sitcom, but it's like just weird the jokes they make just are horrible and then but they laugh at it. it's just bizarre um and there's um and there's like this woman who's like a polish actress who's just i don't know what to describe just really demented really that just chases uh laura dern around oh, um and also like Mulholland drive it has one of the weirdest jump scares um i've ever seen to be honest so um and a top review on letterbox for this film is just one question mark so that should <laughs> tell you yeah. all you need to know really <laughs> Um. Yeah, that sounds yeah mental. Um, Another. Does anyone yeah. get turned into a pile of bananas in that one or not? No, sadly not. But the, it, there are some still some bizarre things in it that are just yeah. That's why that's my number one. Really, it just I was just confused. Terry Crews shows up at one point for some reason. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's baffling enough. Just to but, confuse you, just to, just to put you off. And David Lynch really liked Laura Dern's performance in that film. He campaigned for her to get an Oscar, and the way he did it was he sat in like a just in like the middle of a town with a cow like a, a real cow just stood up next to him so and then people to check on him well people came up saying why have you got the cow and he's like laura dern get her to the oscars <laughs> i was like what it's bizarre but you can look look up that video on youtube it's quite strange <laughs> very strange um no I, I definitely will what the fuck is david lynch doing he's just sitting he's on the just fucking corner the fucking of la brea in hollywood with a fucking cow <laughs> what the fuck is this if you want to see the greatest performance of 2006, check out Laura Dern's performance in Inland Empire. So that was our top three. Um, so we'll hear from um, some other people. So we asked on Twitter again, um, a few of our fellow podcasters, what are their favourite mind-bending movies? And I'm sorry, Callum, you're going to have to help me out with these because I haven't seen a lot of them. Um, okay. So Hallmark of Greatness said Memento. So I know yeah. the premise of Memento, it's a film that sort of goes backwards, isn't it? A fellow that's trying to sort of get amnesia. He's trying to retrace Yeah, he, he, he wakes up in a hotel and the film is basically shot at the end. So he's working back to try and remember how he got into the hotel the whole time. And it's Christopher Nolan again. So yeah, he loves, he loves all time stuff, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> The uncredited extras then, um, they said three films I've I've not heard of, but I'm not the, the movie buff you are. So Doc said Vanilla Sky. Um, yeah. Seen it? I haven't seen it, but I know it's Tom Cruise, who's an actor who gets into an accident, and it's like a weird sci-fi with, yeah, Penelope Cruz is in it as well. Two Cruises. Two Cruises. I, I, don't, I don't really know what happens in it, but I've heard it is a bit mad. No relation. Um, Hayden said Predestination. Yeah. Seen it? I've, no, I've heard of it again. No, it's Ethan Hawke, I think, and it's all time traveling. I think I don't we're, know. We're failing you here, and credit it. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, but I, yeah. good, good, good thing, good, good to know that we'll watch them. Well, they'll go straight onto the watch list, won't they? So, yeah. Uh, and then Owen finally says time frames. I don't know that one. Yeah, that's that's uh, even niche for me. That one. There you go. We'll have to have a look into that. Add it onto the list. Watch. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so we, Alan from the movies on the way. Um, or just movies on the way, sorry. I don't know why I had thought in there. Um said Butterfly Effect. I have seen it. Yeah, that's that's that Ashton, reminds me of Donnie Darko in a way. It's sort of a similar yeah, vibe, isn't it? Ashton Kutcher. Yeah. Um and they filmed like oh, there's two old endings, isn't there, to the film. Yes, and one of them is absolutely bizarre. 
just just type in yeah um butterfly effect alternative ending it's insane yeah i think i watched it and then watched the alternative ending online ridiculous um, and then maybe just tried to shut it out because i can't remember it at all and then sophie and paul from sp film viewers um said the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind again good film we nearly yeah. watched it a few weeks ago it was one of my choices when we did submarine and i said there's four picks oh yeah yeah that was one oh, yeah because it's not um, included in the book somehow it's that's not a, yeah that's, that's a strange a really one not to be in there um, yeah See, I like Jim Carrey when he's acting serious. I don't like him when he's being funny. I like him however he comes, really. <laughs> um, my The exception to that rule, though, is The Truman Show, but I think it's just a, a good concept for a film. He is dramatic in that, though. That is the first... Yeah, he's he's, little, he's a bit of both, isn't he? Yeah, I like that film, too. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to be watching The Mask anytime soon. Sorry. Oh, classic. Sorry. Sorry. Um, but yeah, there we go. Then that's our um, mind-bending movies. Um, some corkers in there, and yeah. some films I've not seen, but will add to the the watch list. Yeah, definitely going to be sticking them on the watch list. I'm interested in them. And thank you for everyone who who provided answers again. Very much appreciated. Yeah, thanks very much. Um, well, well, yeah, we'll, we'll continue doing the top three. I, I enjoy doing it. So me too. We'll keep asking people. Yeah, keep bothering people. Keep pestering. Um, people will start saying, give come your own bloody ideas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've got our own podcast today. get to the main event um inception so it's your pick so you take the reins on this one mostly Uh-oh. because um again don't understand it um i think i'm a bit dim uh, <laughs> <laughs> it these sort of films i sort of get it um but yeah let's go all right well it's obviously a 2010 film directed by christopher nolan what's your history with christopher nolan basically let's start with that how many films of his have you watched and what do you think of him as a man um, well, I never sort of thought of him as being one of my favourite directors, but when I had a look at the films he has done, um, I think I've probably watched nearly all of his films. Um, wow. But no, I'll take that back. Not all of them. I've seen a good majority of them then. Yeah. I'm a big fan of like the Dark Knight series, Interstellar. I, I could easily put into my top sort of 20 favourite films. Yeah. Uh, Tenet. Could have put that in my top <laughs> yeah. three until you said it last week. Well, yeah, that, um, I would have had it in mine as well. Yeah. <laughs> Bizarre. Uh, Dunkirk as well. Um, great film. Um, yeah. I can't think what else he's done now. Um, Memento, like you said, I've not seen that one, but um, that one's good. I like Memento. Have you seen The Prestige? He's done that as well. Um, with the the magicians. Yeah. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know what happens though. But yeah, no, I've not well, seen them. So, but yeah. there's there's not many I've not seen now. I've I've not seen Oppenheim yet. But is that even out yet? No, it's out in a few months, I think. No, the <laughs> films he's directed, I've I've seen the majority of them. Fair enough. And overall, positive on his films, yes. Yeah, they're all quite big and dark. That's the only way I describe them. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> you have to squint. Sometimes. Yeah, they're huge scale films, and they're usually set at night. Or yeah, like at darker sort of. In cities, I don't know. They're quite gothic, aren't they? I think. Well, t- yeah, Tenet specifically. I was just I couldn't hear a thing of what anyone was saying the whole time, and I could barely see what was going on. But I quite liked it in a way. And then when you could see <laughs> what was going on, it was it was in reverse or forwards. Oh or... yeah, 
oh, I don't know. Well, I need to rewatch Tenet because yes, I, so do I. Because Adam, our friend, put us in the bloody front seat in the cinema of an IMAX, so we were like cricking our necks to look up at the screen as well. So that definitely didn't help. <laughs> so I need to just sit in my, you know, put it on in my bed with subtitles, and I probably will have a better experience watching Tenet. Yeah. Um, well, I'll say one thing actually about Christopher Nolan uh, and Interstellar. Um, that's maybe the best film I've seen in the cinema. Interstellar. Interstellar, yeah. I think it was, um, it was one of them that I've seen it loads of times since. But watching it for the first time in the cinema, yeah. Um, I remember. I don't know if I've warped this memory, but the the cinema was silent at the end of it for a good few minutes. People just didn't sort of get up because everyone was like. You're just, that was you're just bowed yeah. your head. Yeah, in awe of it. I'm, I'm surprised it wasn't. <gasps> All held applause. hands. All yeah. held hands and bowed your head. Joined together. Um, so we just all needed to lie down. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the only time I've watched Interstellar is with you and Max at uh, Max's house in that small, in his little living room on yeah. a little TV. So I didn't get the full experience. So that's another one I need to rewatch. And yeah. that's me, because I'd say Dunkirk is one of the best films I've seen in the cinema. Yeah, that was good. I watched that on IMAX. Which yeah, is I watched how, on IMAX. How, I think I went with you, actually, maybe. Yeah, I think, I think so. Didn't a group of us go? I think a few of us went. No, because I think you went with a group and Oof. I wanted to go, but I was at work or something, so I couldn't. That was a very scary no. <laughs> well, because I'm, I'm angry about that. <laughs> <laughs> it was doing a night shift, I think. <sighs> But yeah, yeah. No, no, that's another good one to see. Now. He's, he's good at those sort of films, isn't he? Um, films made for the cinema. Yeah, he's very... There's a lot of films made for the cinema, but he's good at that. He saved cinema the other year with Tenet. It was the first film that came back to the cinemas, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It yeah, was that, the first it? sort of blockbuster after sort of... Yeah, yeah when months really of us. Part, yeah. yeah. Um, so should we just go into a brief sort of synopsis, if we can, of Inception? I haven't written anything down, to be honest. Oh God, we can have a go. Uh, no, it's basically about a dream thief, isn't it? Dream, yeah, a bit like Freddy Krueger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a bit like Freddy Krueger. <laughs> no. Um, goes into people's dreams and steals things. So that's a dream thief. There you go. So Leonardo DiCaprio, he plays Cobb. I just uh, know, I, I saw that this film took eight or ten years to write. Did it? Yeah. From, I think he started writing after Insomnia, which was in 2002. It took him pretty much 10 years to write it from the, the, the idea to, to the final draft. And that's the best name he could come up with, Dom Cobb. <laughs> but I think he's actually based on a real person, isn't he? The name of Cobb. I don't know. But that's... Who's, um, yeah, he's based on someone who was um, like a designer of skyscrapers, a real architect. Right, well, so that's... So that's why he picked enough, the name Cobb. <laughs> could, I don't know. I, I just don't, don't think that's a, a great name for this film. Cob. <laughs> Just, you can't think of anything but corn on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know, yeah. You can't escape that, really. No. Um, but anyway, he's sort of like the leader of this crew, isn't he? Yeah. That um, he's he's sort of got this, it's his job, isn't it, to go into dreams and um, extract information from people originally. Yeah. Um, Just to, I don't know. Is he is he working for the? He's not working for the government or anything, is he's, he? Yeah, I think he's privately hired, isn't he, by yeah. like corporate companies to to go in and steal information from people. Um, yeah, for some I don't know reason, leverage maybe financial leverage. I don't know. He's that. He's the leader. He's boss. He's played by Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. He's obviously a very good actor, isn't he? Really, yeah. you can't Leonardo, say much more. Leonardo DiCaprio, like him, love him. Good, let's go. Uh, Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio, Wolf of Wall Street, great film. Titanic, you've not seen it, great film. Departed, 
great film. You can go on and go on and go on. It's the list as long as your arm. Yeah. Um, he's he, no, he's very good. Um, old Leo. He's probably the actor of his generation, isn't he? I'd say, yeah, definitely, absolutely. Even when he's a young, a young maverick, he's still you can still he's still got the charm. Uh, the film also stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yes, as Arthur, who is sort of I don't know, is he? It's just his mate. I don't know. He's he's an associate, isn't he? He he works with Leo to infiltrate people's dreams, and he's like the guy who researches everything before it and gets it all everything into place to to happen perfectly. Really, because there's a moment in this film where he where he messes up basically, yes, um, and it, they, he gets the blame for it. But he like sort of prepares, like does all the research, looks into everything, and gets all the facts right before before they go in. Yeah, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Where is he? What's happened to him? I haven't <laughs> seen him in years. In no, I, I hadn't. Um, I haven't either, to be fair. Um, the last thing I sort of he did um, Dark Knight Rises, didn't he? Yeah. And then he did, and he did Looper. I don't know what came out first. Um, and this, and then so they were sort of three films. I'm pretty sure they were sort of close together in sort of time. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, where's he gone? I can't think of a film he's been in the last few years to be honest no i don't i can't come back um, i like him he's yeah good. 500 days of summer famously one of your yes films, i do like that film um which he's in obviously we've got elliot page as Ar- ariadne which is ariadne. Name I struggle with, yeah um who's a young sort of student of Architect. michael Caine's character aren't they yeah no i believe so are they like a student of of architecture yeah because i think the because right at the beginning of the film there's another guy um, I can't remember the name of that actor, but he's in a few things, isn't he? The guy right at the beginning that sort of double double crosses yeah. them. So basically, I'll just say one thing, just because it might make it easier for us. When you are doing like dream heists, you have Leo, who's the the main guy who does the the infiltrating and of of like the targets and stuff like that. Then you have Joseph Gordon Levitt, who is the researcher, and then you've also got an architect who constructs the dream, yeah, um, and the design of the dream. Um, for all of this to take place in. Um, and there's a team of three, isn't there, at the start, basically, and it's those three, Leo, Joseph, and this other fella you're on about. But he gets ditched pretty early on. Is he like a, I don't know, like a double agent sort of thing? He's double-crossed him, I don't know. I think he, he tries to... It's hard to remember, to be honest. He <laughs> him up, was, doesn't he, a little bit? I think he tries to steal the money, and then the um, Saito catches him, doesn't he, I think. I think that's what happens. Yeah, so... It's like a heist, really. It's a dream heist. Yeah. Um, They're dream warriors. All of my knowledge of heists, uh, like most people's, comes from GTA Five. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah. So yeah, so you usually got a team of four or five, and also Heat as yeah. well. Yeah, uh, and another one. But he's called Lucas Hass, that guy at the beginning. Oh, there you go. I, I was uh, just stalling, so you found his name, really. Oh, right. Yeah, it's yeah, bugging me that. to <laughs> troll the internet for him. Um, Lucas has. So yes. they had an architect. Now they don't. Um, so they hired Ariadne as what well, they want them to become the new architect uh, of the dreams. So there's Ken Watanabe as well, who plays um, Saito. Yep. Whose dream they're sort of in at the beginning of the film. Yeah aren't they? <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, they're trying to get information from him because they've been hired to do so. Yeah, um, and he's... But what they do is they don't just go in his dream, but they put him into another dream inside that dream. Yeah. And it's like a double-layered dream. And he's impressed, isn't he, with that? And he's so, impressed yeah. at how they've managed to do it. The only way he finds out that he's in a dream um, is when he feels the carpet. I've always hated this carpet. 
stained and frayed in such distinctive ways. But we definitely made a war. Why now? Which means I'm not lying on my carpet in my apartment. You have lived up to your reputation, Mr. Khan. I'm still dreaming. He's right. sat there and he's one of the first people you see, isn't he? And he's in, like, it's the same actor, obviously, an old person prosthetics, isn't it? Mm. Um, and I don't like it when they do that. I think, yeah. they should, I think they should just cast an older person. Yes. Because it just, you can tell, it looks stupid. I completely agree. I hate it. I hate it when they do that in films. It really gets on my nerves because I'm just like, that's just a young person. Saving Private Ryan did it perfectly last uh, Yeah. Last just, week. They just um, cast an older, older man guy who looks a like bit Matt like Damon. Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect. perfect. They're in a dream of sight. So they're trying to get all this information. There's also a woman in that dream called Mal um, who's trying to stop them from achieving this mission, um, who's played by Marion Cotillard. She's trying to sabotage that dream, isn't she? Um, and there's only a few more main characters, really. There's Tom Hardy who I think this is one of the first, well, the first big film he was in, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Because he was, he was in Bronson, wasn't he? That was his breakout role for like the yeah. films. And then... What's the first thing you saw him in? Was, it, was he in Layer Cake? Oh, I don't know. He was in a film called Rock and Roller. Uh, oh, yeah. No, I know that one, yeah. Um, which apparently is the film that Christopher Nolan saw him in and wanted him in this film, but Tom Hardy thought he saw him in Bronson. <laughs> so, so he was very confused when he found out it was rock and roll. There you go. Well, yes, he is laying layer cake. Sorry as well. So that's like two thousand four. Oh, so that that is the first time I think I've seen him in a, in a film. Yeah. Um, but he's he's a good guy. And he's some idea. I quite like him. He's just got a funny voice. Um, that's what I think about it. <laughs> I like yeah. his voice. It makes me uh, makes me laugh. Yeah, he's got a theme as well, hasn't he, Christopher Nolan? He does. What's it called? Where he used the same actors again over and over. Sort of like an auteur sort auteur, of thing. Auteur, there you go. Uh, because obviously Joseph Gordon-Levitt was in the Dark Knight series. So was Tom yeah. Hardy. So was Saito. So was Killian Murphy. Um, who, Bloody hell. Yeah, we'll get on to in a bit. And, well, hang on. Michael Caine's in nearly all of his films. Uh, Michael Caine, who's actually only in this film for three minutes. Is he? Yeah. Um, but I remember this film coming out and I remember seeing him in the, the trailer and the posters and stuff and thinking he was going to be in this for a long time. But yeah, three minutes on screen. But... Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Michael Caine has gone on record to say because he, he's retired now, isn't he? I think from acting. Yeah, I think I think he's going to say if Christopher Nolan says do you want to do another film, I'll I'll, I'll come out and do it. I think so. We must really yeah. like working with him. He regards me as his lucky charm because he's made so seven films with me in it, and they've all been very successful. But I regard him as my lucky child because when I got to an age of about 70 and the world was starting closing in on me, he came to me with one Batman Begins and he restarted my acting life. Because from then on, when, when I thought, you know, you, you get to 70, 75, you think it's all over, I then made seven of the best movies I was ever in. And then we got Dilip Rao, who plays... Yusuf, he just sort of turns up halfway through the film. Yeah, he's a chemist, isn't he? Sort of. Yeah, and he's sort of just like the guy who who's there to wake them up, isn't he? Really, and yeah, he's in the real world the whole way, the whole way through, really. Well, the way to get into people's dreams, really, is it's like I don't really know what it is. It's a briefcase with a button in the middle, and they all plug into it, sort of thing. It's um, called the dream machine. I think is that, is that what it is? The dream machine, and he. I think so. 
he creates the substance that you put into yourself that keeps you asleep longer or like harder to wake, be weakened. Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so go to it, that, that room of all those sleeping men. Yeah, but I, but I read that they really struggled to, to make it not look like Yusuf was a drug dealer. They wanted <laughs> right. to know he was a pharmacist sort of yeah. thing rather than a drug dealer because it's it's quite easy to think that isn't it him selling substances in a dingy shop that everyone's injecting themselves downstairs yeah you know? but yeah I, I i don't think i've seen um delete Rao before but he's, he's apparently an avatar um yeah i i was looking at his um sort of list of things he's in and i not recognized him from anything unfortunately um uh, but yeah but yeah like you say he's usually there to wake them up there's usually someone that sort of keeps an eye on everybody that's in a dream state um and wakes them up um, yeah, using I don't know what do they do a kick, don't they? That's what they, they call, call it a kick. kick. Yeah, so there's something. So it's that... basically when you're in a dream and you feel like you fall off a curb or something. Yeah, um, and you wake yourself up. That's how you can get yourself out of these dreams. So yeah, I hate it um, when that happens in real life. It really pisses yeah, me it's off. It's awful, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's usually I think just as you're falling asleep, I usually get that feeling. You are seeking a chemist to formulate compounds for a job. And to go into the field with us. No, I rarely go into the field, Mr. Cobb. Well, we'd need you there to tailor compounds specific to our needs. Which are? Great depth, a dream within a dream. Two levels. Three. Not possible. That many dreams within dreams is too unstable. It is possible. Killian Murphy, yeah, he plays Robert Fisher, who's the son of... Um, a businessman who the businessman dies and he inherits this big fortune and he's like a he's, he's like a rival company to Saito's company yeah is that right yeah and is that basically it his character's named after Bobby Fisher who was a chess player so that probably oh, plays that into sense. his character a little bit that like he's very calculating um, yeah. and trying to work out the next move yeah, you've got Tom Berenger who plays Browning as well who's the godfather of Killian Murphy um, I only know him from platoon yeah this was like his first big film in in years i think wasn't it so like he, i think he was in training day and then he had loads of years where he just did sort of straight to dvd sort of things um i think the best possible way to uh to describe it really um because it is quite difficult because it is a bit confusing but basically christopher nolan explained that he based the roles of in, on the inception team um similar roles that are used in filmmaking so Cobb's the director arthur's the producer Ariadne's the production designer, so uh, designs the the look of the dream. Eames is the actor. Saito's the studio that funds it, and Fisher is the audience. Um, so yes. that sort of pretty much explains all each of their roles within this in the film, basically. Yeah, the end. And keep. We learn pretty quick that Leonardo DiCaprio's character um, is has got a, a dark past. Uh, one he's trying to sort of escape from, and he for some reason can't go at this point. For some reason, can't go back to the to the to the US to to be with his children, yeah, uh, and his family. But um, um hmm. and it turns out his wife's died. Um, who is Mal? So the character played by Marion Cotillard is actually his wife. Um, yeah, we find but that she's she's dead. Probably at this point, say we're going to fully spoil Inception. Uh, we're not. Gonna oh right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so the yeah, so the word Inception then. So basically, in this world, Inception isn't sort of stealing information from someone's dream. It's implanting an idea into someone's dream. Um, that idea can then change their that person completely. 
So it's yeah. getting into their subconscious, making them think that they've made their own decision, but actually you've been planting all this information all along within their dreams. Yeah. So Saito is so impressed with uh, Dom and Arthur, um, Cobb and Arthur, sorry, we'll call them Cobb, um, is so impressed with those two that he hires them to take down his rival company, um, owned by this Robert Fisher, so played by Killian Murphy. Um, and what he basically wants them to do is perform Inception in his dream to make him basically dissolve his own company there's so much sort of lore in this film if you know what i mean um like for example they go into killian murphy's dreams and they start getting attacked straight away um by these like gunmen um so well, it turns out that killian murphy's character's been trained to have military response like a military response in his dream yeah he's, um, he's- so if anyone tries to intercept his dreams then they all get attacked and stuff like i don't well yeah, much like much like saving private ryan in that scene he's booby trapped his mind like home alone hello <laughs> basically from now on if anyone hasn't seen inception watch it and then come back because we can't physically explain the whole thing for you that you're going to get. So we'll just talk about scenes we like. Scenes we like. There's probably going to be a lot of speculation as well, you know, because it's yeah. a bit like, huh? But yeah, okay, fair so enough. So from this point forward, I'm going to say spoiler alert. Spoiler. What do you think of this? What do, what do you think is the case? Because I've read a theory, um, and I think this is maybe the main theory around it. Go on. And it's that this whole thing, the whole of Inception, what we see as a film is a dream fabricated by Michael Caine's character to get Cobb back to reality. Oh, really? I've not even seen I've not seen that. So it could be that... I mean, it's so easy to say that Mal's character was wrong when she jumps off and she thinks she's not in her own world and stuff like that. Yeah, she's lost Maybe it. she was and she did get out of it, but Cobb won't do the same, if you know what I mean. So he's still living in that oh, dream right. world. Yeah. So Michael Caine's created inception to try and make him believe that he can come back to his own world do you know what i mean yeah i get it so all what we see much like those other films you talked about is a lie up until the last what is it the last scene or he's talking about where he, is that real or i don't know <laughs> yeah. it's open to interpretation no, that's but the one thing i'll say yeah, on. yeah one thing i'll say is how come his kids haven't aged if he hasn't seen them for years they're not any older so they're exactly uh... the same as the last time he saw them and it has has it been years? Is that confirmed? Yeah, it's meant to be a few years. Yeah, yeah, they do look exactly the same. So I think that it's Michael Caine's trying to get him back to reality. Um, so he's trying to pull him back out of his own dreams. So creates this heist thing. Um, to to like when he goes through customs at the end. Yeah. Who's Saito? Like, why Saito got so much power that he can get someone off scot free with murder? And the the customs like no one bats an eyelid after he's made one call. Yeah, Do you know what I mean that is true. And and then yeah, it's weird actually. So I don't think that anyone is actually after him. He just thinks they're after him. Maybe it's the fact that he, the fact that he can't look at his children in the eyes is because he feels the guilt of their mother dying. Um. So whereas so he tells people that he can't go back to the United States because he's wanted. But what if he's not wanted? He just can't face his children. But then there's that whole thing of. You know, in the dream where you're subconscious, all the characters are part of your own subconscious, so they all stare at you. Yeah. And then, but then his kids look at him at the end. Maybe that is that 
Is that an offense? I don't know. Maybe. Because <laughs> when he's walking through the airport, everyone's just looking at him, aren't they? All his mates. Yeah. So I don't know. That shows he's still in a dream, in a way, yeah. as well. So it could go I either think way. he could be, to be fair. I think he could be. But the um, people, Chris Van Olen said that the last the most asked question yeah. um, that he's ever been asked about any of his films is, is he awake? Is he a dream? But Chris Van Olen said that in the script, it says the, what's the what do they call it? The totem. Yeah spins is still spinning and then we fade out so he never wrote anything after that right so it's over to he just let bit, bit like david lynch always says it's open to interpretation really yeah so there is no answer there is no sort of it could be this it could be that it, it's it's up for us to decide well um i like to think that it's it's michael kane trying to pull him out of his uh yeah that's a good, i've ne- genuinely never heard that through so that is a good one that is uh clever very clever um but i know that kristen Allen has said that we don't get to see what happens, so that's the point, really. So it, it's that Cobb doesn't really care, I think. Is yeah, what he doesn't, yeah, no, yeah, that's the point. As long as he gets to see even, his kids. <laughs> he doesn't even look to see the outcome, does he? No. He just spins it, but his kids look at him, so that's, that's his priority. And so, do you want me to confuse it even more, maybe? Go Michael Caine has confirmed that Nolan has said to him that every scene that Michael Caine's character is in is real. So there you so go. That, <laughs> right, okay. Then Mike, I've seen a quote from Michael Caine saying that every scene, yeah, so every scene he's in is real yeah. because he is the creator of dreams. There you go. It ties into your theory, actually. Think well, he's it. never in a dream because he created the dreams. There you go, yeah. Oh, there you go then. So that's probably the genuine that is it. Secret, yeah. secret storyline that you've discovered. You've unlocked a I cheat so. of the, of the I film think, there. <laughs> I think Cobb is, this whole film is trying to get Cobb to sort of forget your guilt, come back to your kids. Yeah, fair enough. Is there any sort of scenes in this that you particularly like? I, I like the, the snowy scenes, um, and I hate to mention the B word. Oh, again. I knew you'd mention um, this. Yeah, go on then. But Chris Van Olen based all of the, the snowy scenes, the skiing scenes, off uh, his favourite Bond film on Her Majesty's Secret Service, um, yeah. which I, I, I when I saw it, I, I hadn't seen that he, he based it on that but I thought oh this is a bit like a Majesty's Secret Service well I've I because I've never seen that film I thought this, this whole film's a bit like James Bond because they all get little moments don't they of acting like James Bond so all the people who want to see Tom Hardy as James Bond just watch this film because he does yeah. to do it <laughs> um, there's the a bit I, I thought of when Joseph Gordon-Levitt shooting with that gun yeah and Tom Hardy says something like oh you can dream bigger than that or something doesn't he call him like darling or something they've got um, like a... he's, he's got like a big grenade launcher and he fires that <laughs> yeah. yeah there's loads of scenes there's car chases i think that whole bit in the hotel's a bit james bondy isn't it with the the, the, the rotating corridor yeah um because the, the the visual effects in this um they're usually in films like this there's over two thousand visual effects used uh like cgi and stuff but they only use about 500 in this most of it's all like practical effects so the spinning corridor was was real it was all powered by um like a, a giant motor yeah and it's all it's it's joseph gordon joseph gordon levitt doing all of the scenes in that he's, he's doing all the yeah he does all the stunts fighting on the in the rotating corridor and stuff i, I think mean, he literally did every single one of his stunts apart from like one or two didn't he so that's quite cool yeah i've seen that but i want to know which one yeah yeah me too actually um but he's and then wally this is a real person saying by the way wally fister the uh, director of photography also said that Christopher Nolan didn't want to film in 3D because um, there's loads of films for around this time that are in 3D, and I think it was a good yeah. choice because it because Christopher Nolan said it would just distract people. Things fly. I never got on board with 3D. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. I think I watched Avatar in 3D, and I was like, oh, this is 
I don't get it. It's just hurting my eyes it's a bit. Distracting, I think. You have to have a break. I always have to take the glasses off for a second, really. And then it's blurry. I'm like, oh, put them back on. Well, I wear glasses anyway, so I have to wear glasses on top of glasses, which is not fun. <laughs> oh, God. The only thing I watched in 3D once, I thought, actually, this is quite good. Do you know when they do, like, David Attenborough shows? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, they're, they're quite good. I think I watched a football match in it once as well, and I thought, oh, that's quite cool. But I, th- um, I'm to remember. I think I watched Into the Spider-Verse. That was quite good in 3D, to be fair to it. But that was nice. IMAX as well. I think it was a fad. It's a bit like uh, Smell-O-Vision, isn't it? It's it's yeah. had its time and it's gone. Well, 3D was one of them. It was big in like the, the late 80s, wasn't it? Didn't they do like um, quite a few like horror films at the time were in 3D when you had the blue and the red? But then it came back again, didn't it? Yeah, around this time. Spy Kids 3D is one that sticks in my head. Early 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> but now, I remember seeing, yeah. was it Rugrats 4D? God, Rugrats 4D? Yeah, it was in 3D, but you had a scratch card, so you used... Oh, Smell like yeah, like you say, smell of vision. Well, there's um 4DX now. Have you ever done that? Yeah, when you're getting flung <laughs> <long> about. Yeah, <laughs> it's insane. Um, I enjoy that actually. It's quite good. But me and Chelsea went to see Quiet Place Part Two. Oh god, that's a bad choice for 4DX. Yeah, I thought so because it was really yeah, it was really quiet <laughs> on the screen. They're just walking around really slowly as you are getting like yeah. vibrated water yeah. above yeah. your head and stuff. Jesus. Yeah, no, it was quite funny, but I'd like to. I'm not a big fan of the, the Fast and Furious films, but I'd quite like to watch them in 4DX. Yeah, or, like, films. or Marvel films or something like that. Yeah, Top Gun Maverick would be good. I'm pretty sure Avatar 2 would have been pretty good. Maybe that was the way to go see that. Maybe, yeah. Just get, they just flood the, the cinema. I can't believe you went to see A Quiet Place in 4DX. That might be the worst possible <laughs> film you could choose to watch in 4DX, actually. I know, I think, it, it. I think it was. I think it was. I think, I think I've seen a couple of films, but I can't think what else. I don't think it was, but it could have been when the crawdad sing. That's a weird one as well. What are you doing? <laughs> I don't know if it was. I can't Just remember. Watching quiet dramas in 4DX. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Hans Zimmer? Do you like him? Um, he's all right. <laughs> I, I, when I watched this, I didn't think to myself. I didn't. I didn't listen to the music and think this is. The trailer was good. Um, the, the the music that they had in the trailer, I thought that was really good. But in the film, I didn't really notice it. In all honesty. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't like it. It, it, it. I don't know. It's it's hard one to explain this, and you'll probably come back with examples where they've done it, and I probably like it. But I don't like it when people are talking in a film and there's just like music in the background. It just reminds me of like um, a low budget American drama. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that was one of the factors that maybe not really like Tim Bright Ryan the week because there's like little, maybe like, dramatic yeah. I, see, music I in the background but that see, sort I, of suits I didn't that even film. notice it in that. Yeah. I didn't even notice it in that but I noticed it in this and I just thought I don't know it just reminds me a bit of I don't know Buffy the Vampire or something I know what you mean it's like it's sort of manip- manipulative in a way because it's sort of telling you how to feel like this is going to be really dramatic now I, I do prefer it when it's just like people talking and it's more realistic yeah. isn't it I, 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 that's why I prefer films like that really I know what you mean I, I, didn't, I didn't think too much about his music the music in this to be fair well which a lot of people might tell me off yeah I just didn't. people love Hans Zimmer don't they um he's he's known for like doing big bombs and stuff in songs yeah I think he created the bomb <laughs> yeah um but here's a little factoid apparently the whole score is a deconstructed and reordered version of the kick song that plays throughout the film so that Edith Piaf song so it's I knew I knew that they put it in to it but I didn't know it was I think the whole I, I might be making this up but quite a lot of the score is just that reordered and slowed down and stuff oh right that, that's pretty or put into or at least include so it's playing throughout the whole film apparently so that's quite a good little fact and then 
I'm sure you know this one, but this, that song is also two minutes and 28 seconds, and the film is two hours and 28 minutes. Um, all right, so what are some scenes that you liked in this film, Jake? I know you mentioned the snow one. Is there any more that stick out to you? Yeah, the fighting in the in the hotel corridor, like you said, that's a good one. Um, also, the, the coffee shop scene where... Uh, oh, yeah, that's cool. Ariadne and uh, Cobb are sat outside, and you're sort of... Ariadne is used in this film as a character that you sort of learn as they learn, if you know what I mean. So you learn all about the dreams and how they work and how you can get into it. What's it called? It's it's called something. It's it's the same in everywhere, everything, everything everywhere, all at once. Um, and there's that scene where they're sort of sat there and they explain to them. Oh, what's going it's just on, it's just it just exposition, we're, really, isn't it? Exposition. So we're learning it at the same time as that character. So we're. We are that character in a way. We're learning at the same sort of pace, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's a good um, good way of you know explaining it to make it a bit simpler yeah. for everyone. Just some people think it's some people think it's a cheap it, like it, like it's a cheap way of doing it, but I don't. I think it's it's. I think it's, I think I think it's all right in like sci-fi films where they because yeah. if it's like complex ideas, it the people it needs the people who, explain. Yeah, it. the people who are just new to it will have to have it explained to them because it's just yeah. it's just mental. So because otherwise you'll be saying, how do they know that already? But if it's just like a I don't know a sports film, so this is how baseball works. You're like, oh, yeah, right, no, right. it's different. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they could have done that with me for Moneyball because. <laughs> but yeah, fair enough. I don't, I still don't really know how baseball works. But yeah, they have a lot of good set pieces. I think the filmmaking is very one of the. This is probably one of the best films in terms of like technique and like sort of set pieces and the way it's filmed and stuff there's a lot of i never be able to say this word well but in innovative um innovative, ways yeah. of uh filming things isn't there yeah no i agree um i did spend a good 40 minutes thinking i don't think i'm enjoying this film did you? um but by the end of it i thought i really enjoyed it actually it was a really good film. I'd, I'd happily watch it again yeah um, i would say to be fair um and i'd watch it again with a different head on um, like your head, return maybe. to Oz, God, don't remind yeah. me of that. <laughs> um, um, no, I was, but yeah, no, no, I, I, I definitely think it is it's definitely rewatchable because I think we both admitted we were both a bit too tired when we first tried to watch the, you know, this <laughs> this week. Yeah. So we thought, right, the best thing to do is to stop now and then try again the next day, and we both did, and we both enjoyed it, didn't we? So yeah, good. I watched good half advice. an hour, tip of the day, enjoy it, <laughs> and then the next day watch the rest. Yeah, I got a question for you. What would your totem be? <laughs> so a totem. You need a small object, potentially heavy, something you can have on you all the time that no one else like knows. Like a coin? No, it needs to be more unique than that. This is a loaded die. I can't let you touch it. That would defeat the purpose. See, only I know the balance and the weight of this particular loaded die. That way, when you look at your totem, you know beyond a doubt that you're not in someone else's dream. Um, what would my totem be in all seriousness? Trying to think what what's sort of maybe Billy because <laughs> I do I do yeah I do know the weight of Billy exactly <laughs> yeah probably actually I don't know if you, are you allowed on things that are alive Millie's my dog for all people who don't know who Millie is it's not a person or anything Millie's a small dog that lives in my house little dorky so yeah I know the weight of my my wedding ring because that's on my hand all the time I know that maybe that maybe maybe that I don't I'm trying to think of a good answer really. Don't know. We Millie, don't have to do Millie's it. Millie's fine. Millie, Millie. You have Millie and I'll have Fleur. Yeah, there yeah, we go. That's my dog. If you're allowed real animals, that's fine. We'll take our dogs with us. Yeah. Into these dreams. Drag them. <laughs> and also, they can talk in our dreams as well. So. God. What a world. What did you think of this film? I, I haven't... I mean, what's your review? I didn't even look at your letterbox review. 
Yeah. Um, well, I'll talk about the rating later. I liked it quite a bit because I did. I as I mentioned, I watched this when it was out in the cinema. And I'm, I was 15 then, obviously, so wasn't really properly into films at that point. Like my favorite film was probably Shrek Two or something like that. I didn't really understand what was going on. Uh, much like Mulholland Drive, I had no idea what was going on. And my dad fell asleep when I went to watch this in the cinema with him. Now I've got a bit more of a head on my shoulders that likes a bit films. more experienced <laughs> yeah. yeah um i i was focused um and i was trying to keep up with what was going on what about you yeah um no i gave it four as well but i did think um to myself this is one of those films where i wished on letterbox there was a sort of between a three and a half and a four so like a 3.75 or like a 3.8 i don't know um because i really i did i did enjoy it a lot yeah um so I gave it a four. It was definitely more of a four. I think to give it a three and a half would be a, a massive um, blow to it, but blow to it. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. We'll have that. <laughs> um, but again, I've looked at all the other four ones that I've, I've, I've put down and I thought I really enjoyed that a lot more. Than uh, right. But no, I, I did really like it. So this is like a, 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 a very a, a lower four. This is a, it's still a, four. a 3.75 maybe. Yeah, a 3.75, yeah. There you go. Um, um but yeah i did enjoy it i just didn't i just didn't think the see the thing is leonardo DiCaprio. you do expect him to have like these i don't know not ott performances but these big performances from that i thought he was just all right in this um yeah a bit like the way i the way i feel about tom hanks and saving private ryan they just do their job well we can talk about this now he did have sort of a side plot didn't they really like a yeah an arc with his wife who was sort of the antagonist wasn't she throughout this film trying to stop every everything they yeah. were doing and well it wasn't even his wife really it was his, more of his his subconscious yeah and that version of his wife to be honest that that reminded me of like it was a bit david lynchy in parts i thought because yeah it was quite there was elements of horror really that reminded me of david it's like when he she's trapped in his dreams so that's very like david lynch and and it yeah. was generally when they go down to that obviously uh, Carbonari and they go down into the basement of his mind, basically, don't they? Yeah. Um, and find uh, Mal there, and it's it's a quite a scary scene, especially when she looks at the camera really quickly. I was like, oh Jesus! And she she scares me throughout this. I'm going to admit, she it. tries, Marianne Cotillard tries to stab him, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah. No. No. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> you promised. Please, I need you to stay here just for now. You said we'd be together. You said we'd belong together. Come back. I promise. <laughs> Um, I think she's really good in this. Yeah, um, she... I'm not, I don't think I've seen her in anything. I think and I, I know she's in the Dark Knight films, but no, no, I, I, I agree. I think she, she probably is the main antagonist in this film. Um, but she's, she's not really because it's not her. It's, it's, it's Cobb's guilt, really. I think we should start having an underrated MVP of of the week. <laughs> so last week it was Giovanni Rabisa. I think she's probably the underrated actress in this in this film because yeah. she was really good. I did like her. Yeah, I like that feature. We'll do that. All right. Do you want to know a fact about Marion Cotillard? You probably might have looked into this. Go on, I don't think I have. Marion Cotillard beat Elliot Page to an Oscar the year they were both up for a nomination. Um, and Marion yeah. won an Oscar for playing Edith Piaf, who sang... Non Gene Regret Rien. That was really bad pronunciation. The kick song. The kick song in the film. And Christopher Nolan didn't know about this. So he was kind of, when he found out that she had already played Edith Piaf, he thought, oh, that's a bit gimmicky. It seems like I've just hired her because she's played her. And we might yeah. have to change the bloody song now. But then, oh, wow. uh, but then he was convinced to leave it in because it is a good song, isn't it? They, they could have changed it to Sabotage by the Beastie Boys. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I would have completely changed the film. That's an interesting one. And to be fair, another thing I can say about this film, it's one of the only films I would be happy to see a sequel or a spin-off of, really, because I think there's endless possibilities and scenarios with this sort of... I can ima- it is. I can imagine a like a series based on this going on Amazon Prime or something. I wouldn't want to find out what happens to Cobb and that, though. Oh, I, no, I, yeah, it'd I, be I different people. Believe that as it is, but the the idea of you can go into dreams and the dream machine sort of thing, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think that I, I'd like to go into your dreams and, and put ideas into your head. You don't want to know. You don't want to know what goes on in my head, sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> um, just get you to do ridiculous things. It'd be quite funny. It's like, a bit like hypnotising people, isn't it? Really? Yeah, it's, it's a bit, yeah, it's a strange, a strange concept, but I like it. It's a bit like you know when um, people wanted to quit smoking, like back in the day, and they used to get like tapes that they play at night that say, "You do not need to smoke" and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, it is over and over again. It's a little bit like that, isn't it? Or the um, this is a horrible story, but there was a, a man that um, played tapes to one of his children to get him to stab his other child. Christ, back in that's a weird. I don't know why I brought that up. Sorry, I brought I the mood down again. I always bring up things like that to bring the mood down. Just where my um, see, that's where my mind goes. You don't want to go into my dreams. Yeah, I don't want to go in that one. Um, I was going to say another bit of trivia to get us yeah. far away from that. Um, do you know the picture that um, Killian Murphy's dad has by his bed in this of of I'm assuming yeah. Killian Murphy with a child? Well, in the picture, it's him and. It's the the dad and the son, but the dad in the picture is Killian Murphy as his dad. Oh, is it? Re- yeah. So I noticed it after. Well, I've I've read up on it and watched a few scenes afterwards, and yeah. So it's it's Killian Murphy playing his dad in it. If you know that's, what I mean, yeah, that's pretty weird. Uh, yeah, and I, well, that's another reason to rewatch it now. Yeah. But I was going to say to you, do you know when you said before about the prosthetics and making people look old? Yeah. I don't like that, but if. Someone is playing their parent in something. Yeah, I, I don't mind that as much. I I'm let me get the list up in for the master list in front of me because I'm I'm I like this. Yeah. Um, I like it. I it's also very think good. we just the more we we put on top of Mulholland Drive, the more we're discrediting that film. So I think I'd put it just one below that maybe. Okay, we'll put it there. We'll pop it just below Mulholland Drive. Then. So, what does that make it? The what? What place is that on the list? The seventh, sixth film on the list. Sixth best film of all time is Inception, and it is a good one. So, you asked me to pick a sixties film for next week. Yeah, we're following the same um, pattern as last. Yeah, last year. Last, last year, last season, as you know. Um, so, yeah, 60s is next. So, let's go. See, I know I do talk a lot about it, and I'm going to try and stop, but it's hard because I do like them. So, my 60s film is one that I have wanted to do since we first came up with the idea. I thought, I can't wait to do this in the 60s. <laughs> um, but then was almost put off it because we did an action film last week an action film this week and I thought I can't do three action films in a row but then I thought it's our podcast I'll do what I like yeah um, so I'm going to pick um, a James Bond film which is usually cited as the best and I believe is probably is the best um, so I'm going to go with Goldfinger wonderful um, I know you've not seen it I don't have you seen any James Bond films I've seen a few of the Daniel Craig ones I've seen Die Another Day for some reason and I yeah. think I've seen like Live and Let Die or something like that. I've seen a few of the older ones as well. 
but not Fair. not many. That was when I was really young. But yeah, that's good. I've I've never well, seen I, Goldfinger. No, I'm a Sean Connery guy, so this is for me probably the best one. Um, nice. And the only thing I'll say with you with this film is a lot of things in it hasn't aged well because it's <laughs> over. It's nearly sixty years old. Um, so the things that haven't aged well. Um, are funny um, a lot of the time so things that look crap in it just think of them as funny <laughs> um, the, things that have aged well yeah. look good All right. still. that's fair enough it, it still holds up I think um, but there are bits in it where you can you can see its age if you know what I mean you can see that this film's 60 years old and some of the effects are a bit like oh, that's a bit crap but just laugh at them just do what you want laugh at them if you want yeah I will laugh um, James Bond's funny he's a funny bloke yeah. Um but that's fine, yeah. Anything that's sixty years old, you're gonna you know, you're gonna see things that haven't aged well. Yeah. Um so that's absolutely well that's exciting. I'm I'm excited to jump into the world of James Bond with you, Drake. Thank you. Well I'm a bit worried that you're gonna rip its shreds Don't and worry. it's gonna ruin us. Well, that is the worry, isn't it? That this could be could the be next could be the last last episode next week. <laughs> that's a shame. I've got some good good picks for the next for the eighties. There we go then. So next week we'll be watching Goldfinger. Um, can't wait. Looking forward to it. Me too. Thanks for talking about Inception this week, Jake. It's been a dream. There you go. Yeah, within a dream.